Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. I just want to thank you again for taking another step in your leadership journey. It always means so much to me when people are passionate about just growing and being better at who they are and being better at who God wants them to be. So all of you that listen to these podcasts and you just take the deep dive with us, as we say in the intro, each and every time we put one out, thank you so much for doing that. What I know is when you get better, people around you get better. When you get better, life gets better around you. So thank you so much for making things better. Before I jump into the lesson, can I remind you of a couple of events that are coming up? On February 20th, I'll be north of Nashville doing a roundtable. This roundtable will uh, just be an opportunity to engage and encounter and learn and grow. I want to encourage you that you can go to my webpage and you can sign up. And then also in the Orlando area on March 3rd, and the Albuquerque area on March 10th. So three roundtables, February 20th in the Nashville area, March 3rd in Orlando, and March 10th in Albuquerque. I'd just like to encourage you to be a part of these. As I said in my previous podcast, leadership just isn't taught, it's caught. When you put yourself in a room with high-impact leaders, you don't just learn it, you feel it. And once you feel it, you know what it's like. And I want to encourage you that in my leadership journey, being in the room has made a difference. Being in the room has made a difference in so many ways. So I want to invite you to be in the room. You can sign up and you can go to my webpage and sign up there. Thank you so much for doing that. Today, I want to talk to you about leading in uncertainty. Leading in uncertainty. Let me just give you some business terms, some business terms that are used frequently. The term disruption, reinvention, evolving, makeover, correction, leading indicators. All of these terms are used in the business world to describe an environment that is uncertain. See, in the business arena, they know that disruption is going to happen that there's going to be a Steve Jobs that's going to show up out of nowhere. And he's not going to ask, what do people want? Because his view was people don't know what they want. He's going to create something that he thinks people will want. He was a disruptor. He disrupted an entire industry. He literally changed the playing field for people in life. He was a disruptor, reinvention. Reinvention, that unique art of seeing something and saying, hey, it's gotten a little bit stale here, and therefore we need to make this a better. Evolving, being able to see down the road and to recognize that there's some areas of life that aren't going to stay where they're going to stay, that they are going to change, that they are going to be different. A makeover. Yeah, it has to do with that old show about the house that they're going to give a house a makeover. They're going to take something that looked one way and they're going to make it look another way. Something that seemed to be one thing and they're going to make it another thing. And then correction. And business terms of correction is one of those moments where the market is just telling us 
change is happening. It's it's the correction. It's that 20% fall in the S&P, the stock market. And so you're looking and they're saying, this is a correction. This is a reevaluating of the values of something uh, that exists right now. And then leading indicators. Leading indicators is the term that describes those first little glimpses, those first little metrics and data points that begin to convey to us that something is about to be different. So in business terms, disruption, reinvention, evolving, makeover, correction, leading indicators. All of them simply are saying one thing. Tomorrow is going to be different than today. Tomorrow is going to be different than today. Well, I want to grab a hold of that thought, and I want to talk about it in a spiritual context. And for those of you that are in business, you can take this and and put it on a very secular context also. And I want to look through what we begin to look at when we're navigating uncertainty. So there's three big terms, I think, that the Bible sort of introduces us to or concepts that we need to be able as leaders to master. And these three terms or concepts are the kind of things that we're given great visuals of in the Bible. And these visuals really, really help us to see, to understand that there's some things going on that we are to be aware of. One of them is in Genesis 41 and verse 29. It involves a man named Joseph. You all know the story of Joseph. He was an individual born into a dysfunctional family. He probably enhanced that dysfunction by his own attitudes. His brothers didn't like him a whole lot because his brothers didn't like him a whole lot. Uh, he was literally going to be sold into slavery as he begins to climb even the little ladder that slaves climbed in that day. He found himself reaching the top, only being pushed down to the bottom, and ultimately he finds himself in prison. It's there in prison that he begins to utilize one of his gifts, which was the ability uh, to see tomorrow in the midst of today. And there were two individuals that he helped them see what tomorrow was going to be like. The thing about tomorrow is, is not everything we see is everyone going to like. And for one of the individuals, it's going to speak of their demise. And so people say, I want to know what tomorrow looks like. What tomorrow looks like sometimes can be uncomfortable. And so you better be very careful when you ask for that insight. That being said, in Genesis chapter 41 and verse 29, we're told the story of Pharaoh having this dream of seven cows that were really, really uh, healthy looking and seven cows that were really, really uh, bad looking. And they go to Joseph and Joseph says this, there's going to be seven good years and there's going to be seven bad years. Seven years that are going to look like if life stays like this, it is going to be unequal and unmatched. But then those seven good years are going to lead to seven bad years. What we're introduced to is a concept, and the concept of this is cycles, that in life there are cycles that occur. In fact, what's interesting Uh, There are entire studies done by economic professors saying this was the very first cyclical study of economy that is ever mentioned in the history of mankind. 
They go back to this, and it's just Joseph being able to see a cycle and seeing the beginning of the cycle, the end of the cycle, and what you need to do to manage the cycle. And so if we are going to lead in uncertainty, then we have to understand that there are cycles in life. They're economic, they're theological, they're prophetic, they're national, they're cultural, all have cycles in them. And the thing about cycles are, is cycles are things that keep coming back around. And so in Joseph's days, there was going to be time of immense uh, fruitfulness, and then there was going to be times of great impoverishment. And as a result of that, he was beginning to see the cycles that because of the landscape of an agricultural society, he was going to recognize that there would be times when the weather was going to be great and they were going to have great harvests, but then there'd be times when maybe the weather wasn't great and they would have bad harvests. So how do you handle the cycles? Well, I'm a pastor. I have to handle cycles in life. I have to be able to handle what are cycles in life. David put it this way. He says, I've been young, but now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken are their seed begging for bread. But he's talking about cycles there. He's talking about what it's like to be young, what it's like to be old. But then what are the constants in the middle of the cycles? See, here's the thing about cycles. There are things that just keep coming around time after time. I've done what I do for 42 years, and because of that, I can tell you that there are things that happen in the church. We may rename it this or that, but they happened uh, 15 years ago, and they happened 30 years ago, and they happened when I was first beginning my journey. People get all excited about them, and people look at them, and they say, boy, this is new, and I'm just thinking to myself, this is just a cycle. This is something that will be here for a period of time, then it will begin to diminish and then it will look like it never existed, and then it will come back again. The cycles. There are cycles of behavior. There are cycles in society. There are cycles in the economy. And if you are a leader, you've got to have the wisdom of Joseph. You've got to be able to manage the cycles of life. Leaders have to be able to read them. What are the cycles? They have to be able to respond to them. What do we need to do in the cycle? But they also need to make sure they do not overreact to them. They do not overreact to them. Here's the thing about cycles. Cycles are handled with stability. Cycles are handled with stability. So when a cycle comes and a cycle goes and change begins to happen in the cycles of life, the good and the bad, the fruitfulness, the unfruitfulness, you have to have stability. That's what David was saying. He says, I've been young, but now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. What was he talking about? He was talking about the stability of seeing God in every moment of life. When you're young, when you're old, when it's flourishing time, when impoverishment is happening, knowing that God is there. So here's what I can tell you. Cycles are reoccurring events. 
They are reoccurring events. They may reoccur every 7 to 15 years. That tends to be the norm. Every 7 to 15 years. But when they come, what you need to understand is if you are a proven leader, you handle them with stability. You don't get thrown by them. Everyone else is running around saying, what are we going to do about this? Don't know. You be the stable person. You be bedrock. You make sure that you have planted your feet on something solid, which is Christ, and you're not moved by it. You offer security, you offer stability, and you're able to handle the cycles, the upsides of them, the downsides of them. You're able to handle them. So cycles. It's not only as a leader do you have to handle cycles, which are reoccurring events, but seasons, which are regular events. So where a cycle may come every seven to 15 years, seasons come and you can pretty well count on it. We know that that summer is going to lead to fall. We know that fall is going to lead to winter. We know that winter is going to lead to spring. And that's what Genesis 8.22 says when it says, as long as this earth remains, there will be seed time and serve uh, and seed time and harvest there will be hot and cold so what is it saying there there are changes in seasons that just are going to happen they are regular parts of everyone's life they are regular parts of every organization they are just regular where cycles reoccur over 7 to 15 years seasons are just built in And what leaders have to do is we have to see them and then we have to seize them. So we have to see the seasons, we have to seize the seasons, and then we have to strategically handle the seasons. Now, I'm not going to roll into it in this lesson because I've taught it to pastors all over the nation, but I tell people all the time, I had to learn this as a pastor within my organization. And what I concluded was there are 16 weeks a year that if my team has its A game, if they are prolific, if they make sure they're giving the best of the best during those moments, if they have their A game, then what that means is this— we are going to succeed. So out of 52 weeks in a year, there are some seasonal things that we have to master that involve 16 weeks. And those 16 weeks are game changers. And someone's going to ask me, what are those 16 weeks? I don't have time to go into it. That's the kind of material we cover in depth at roundtables. And so just encourage you that uh, you've got to understand this seasons. So if you're going to navigate uncertainty, there There are cycles that reoccur. There are seasons that are regular, but then there's not only that, there are trends that are leading indicators. We use that word. Remember in business, the leading indicators, those first metric points where you begin to see that there is going to be a change in marketplace tendencies. And so the marketplace tendencies may be down, but all of a sudden they're going to be up or they may be up and they're all of a sudden going to be down and you begin to understand the nature of that. These are moments that tell you that change is about to come. 
leading indicators. It is knowing your organization well. It's knowing your city well. It's knowing your community well. It's knowing your business well. It's knowing how your business fits into a global structure well. It is being able to see the emerging trends, the the leading indicators. See, here's the thing. Leaders are always watching the horizons. They're always looking ahead and they're beginning to uh, read the wind. If you've ever watched um, basically yachts racing, there's someone whose job it is to read the wind. Where is the wind coming from? Where is the wind about to change? Where is the wind about to happen? And they're sitting there and they're watching the wind. Well, that's what leaders do. They have to understand. And so in my organization, I receive information that literally after the years of being here, I can begin to dissect the nuances of that and say, okay, this is changing. That is changing. Let me give you an illustration of it. I know if you're in business, you could probably transfer this into different language for your team, but it goes like this. I'm always looking for where is the back door? Where are we losing people? Well, I was looking one day and looking at the information that was beginning to come to me, and I realized that sixth graders were where we were losing families. We were doing great when they were in children's church. We were doing great uh, when we got them fully engaged in mid-high. But if they were a sixth grader, we tended to lose them and their family. Well, that was an indicator to me. And what it was an indicator was a need to change and to make some adjustments between the handoff between the children's department and the youth department and being able to manage that so that that window where sixth graders were the top of the food chain in children's ministry, and now they're going to be the bottom of the food chain in the um youth ministry, how do we navigate that so that things can be better, that someone's not going, hey, I was on top of the mountain, and oh, now the mountain's on top of me. And it was one of those indicators that I could see because I've always charted the information. So here's what I can tell you. If you're going to lead in a prolific way, especially in what I do, then you're going to have to understand cycles. There's some things that just reoccur. And when those things reoccur, be the stable one in the room. You're going to have to be able to be the individual that understands the seasons, the times and the seasons. And if you understand the seasons that there'll be seed time and there'll be harvest, you'll be able to make application of wisdom that is needed to be able to affect what needs to be done at the right moment. And then you have to be an individual who understands trends, those leading indicators, what is about to change and how is it about to change so that you're on the front end of it versus the back end, that you are leading during it, not just reacting to it. And so what I want to say to you about leading in uncertainty is just simply this. You're going to have to master the cycles of whatever you do. You're going to have to master the seasons of what you do, and you're going to have to manage the emerging trends of what you do. 
So those three things. But let me just make it a little bit more practical for some of you. I would encourage you sit down uh, with whatever your form of communication, if it's your iPad, your uh, computer, just sit down and start thinking, okay, cycles, what are the cycles I've seen? Seasons, what are the seasons we go through? Uh, Trends, uh, what are the trends we've seen in the past? How could I see those trends better? But if you're going to lead in uncertainty, you can't be the person who's just waking up one day saying, oh, everything changed. You're going to have to be able to understand cycles, seasons, and trends. That being said, let me give you some skills to help you in the middle of leading in uncertainty. Or if I could put it to you this way, these are skills for the future. These are skills for the future. Here's a skill that you need for the future. Number one, you need to be an avid learner. You have to be an avid learner. What we know in the Bible is that we are to study to show ourselves approved, a workman of God that needeth not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. There has to be a need in you to be an avid learner. If you're comfortable with yesterday's knowledge, you are obsolete. If you're comfortable with what you know right now, you are soon going to be on the side of the road. Here's what I know is what I'm learning today gives me answers for tomorrow. And if I'm not learning today, I will not have answers for tomorrow. So I have to learn. I have to study to show myself approved. I have to put in the time, the effort, the energy. I have to listen to podcasts. I have to go to roundtables. I have to go to conferences. I have to put myself in learning environments so that I can get smarter and better. What I learned today is going to give me answers for tomorrow. So I have to learn. Number two, praying. If you think that you are going to be able to learn enough that you will catch everything that's coming. The truth of the matter is you cannot. The reality is that you have to pray. You have to be able to tie your heart to someone who knows everything. And there's only one person who knows everything, and that is God the Father. And the Godhead, when you tie yourself into them, you are tapping into a source of wisdom that is vast and large. So in Philippians chapter 4, where it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer, in everything, you're always praying, in everything with prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God and the peace of God. Here's what I can tell. When change happens and you're angry, you're not been praying because people who pray, they're at peace in the midst of change. So learning, I have to be an avid learner, but as much as I want to learn everything, there's some things I cannot learn with just this perspective. I have to learn by praying. So I have to be someone who is an avid learner. I have to be someone who is continuously praying. Number three, I have to always be helping. I have to always be helping. I have to live a life where I'm willing to help others, that I'm willing to engage others, where I'm willing to be a part of others, that I have to be willing to help others. Why is that critical? Because the person I help today is probably going to help me tomorrow. And tomorrow's the uncertainty. There are people that maybe they're not in no position to help you right now. But if you help them and you help them succeed in their job and their family and their life, they're going to be in your corner later on. So what I know about future skills is I have to be an avid learner. I have to continuously be praying. I have to regularly be helping others. And then I have to be involved in befriending.
Befriending is the skill that I'm developing relationships all the time. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, it says that a wise man hangs out with companions who are wise, and likewise the fool. So I'm always looking for relationships, people who are smarter than me in things that I'm not smart in, because I don't have time to be smart in everything, but I can be smart enough to have friends who are smart in a lot of things. So I create networks, whether they're legal networks, whether they're medical networks, whether they're life networks, I create networks where I'm beginning to learn and to grow by having friendships around me. So future skills, I have to be an avid learner. I have to continuously be praying. I have to regularly be helping. I have to aggressively befriend. And then five, I have to take time to think. I have to take times to think. I love Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, where God says, my thoughts for you. And everyone jumps to the next part where it says, and my thoughts are for you are for good, not for evil, to give you a hope and to give you a future. But that very first thing, my thoughts for you, God wants to give you thoughts. See, a lot of people want to be given things but God wants to give you thoughts that can lead you to things. So every day I pray for a thought. God, what thought do you want to give me? How do you want me to think that's better, different than what I've ever thought before? God wants to give me thoughts. God wants to give me thoughts about the future. God wants to give me thoughts about how to manage life. And so I'm always learning. I'm always praying, helping befriending, and thinking. And then Isaiah 43, verse 18, Behold, I do a new thing. Forget the former things. Adapting. I have to learn the skill of adapting. I can't be in love with yesterday and miss God's tomorrow. I have to be able to adapt. I have to be willing to put the past in its place so that I can receive God's promise for tomorrow. So I have to be able to be the the person who forgets the former things. I'm not consumed by them. Who can be available to God to do new things and can walk in the integrity of that. So look at these skills. I have to learn. I have to pray. I have to help. I have to befriend. I have to think. I have to adapt. And then I have to trust. Because ultimately, what I know about the future is that I don't know everything in the future. But I do know who knows the future. So as I like to tell my congregation, I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds me. And so I trust in the Lord with all my heart, and I lean not unto my own understanding. In all my ways I acknowledge Him, and God directs my path. So if I were going to give you a way to handle the cycles, those reoccurring events, the seasons, those regular uh, occurrences throughout life, and the trends that are leading indicators, I would say develop these seven skills of learning, praying, helping, befriending, thinking, adapting, and trusting. Now, if you're a leader out there, here's what I would do. I would sit down with my key team members and I'd say, okay, we're going to look back and we're going to say, what were cycles that affected our industry? What were cycles that affected our business, our church? 
and then say, what are the seasons? How did the seasons change around us? And what did those look and feel like? And how do we manage each season? And how do we manage it well? And then trends, what are leading indicators that can give us a glimpse of something where we're on the front end of the change instead of the back end of the change? And then I would go through and I would talk about learning, praying, helping, befriending, thinking, adapting, and trusting. And I would say, how do we integrate this into our format? So even if you're in business, you're learning. Now, I would encourage every Christian business owner, you got to be praying. But even if you can't use that word praying, you need to use the word consulting. Who do you need to be consulting with? Who do you need to be helping, befriending, thinking, adapting, and trusting? I hope this helps you a little bit to just sort of put down a pin where when uncertainty comes, that you can handle it better. Again, I want to remind you, Nashville, February 20th, that is a brand new roundtable that I'm doing with a very dear friend, Michael Burnett. It's going to be a great day. Then Orlando and Albuquerque, I'm doing it with uh, a friend I've done a lot with, Tony Cook. I want to encourage you guys to come because leadership just isn't taught, it's caught. Go to my webpage, GeraldBrooksMinistries.com, and if you'll go to that webpage and go there, you can sign up for all of these. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.